Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus chapter 3. Talking about one of my favorite stories this morning. It's the call of Moses and uh Kind of as we get into this, I want to share this thought. I think the most important thing in the world is having a reason to wake up in the morning. Something that you care about, just, and not something that you, that you just go because you have to do, but you've got a reason to wake up in the morning. And my prayer all week long as I've been preparing this message, my prayer for you is if you didn't feel that this morning, that tomorrow that you will. And, and that you'll have a reason to get up and a reason to go. Something we care about may not be easy, but you know that it's important. And I think the most important reason to wake up in the morning is that God has a purpose for my life. That God's got a plan for my life. In fact, I would even go a step further than that. I believe that God is counting on me. That he's got something he wants me to achieve today. And I think that's the the greatest moment. I wake up in the morning knowing that God has that. In fact, now that I'm a little bit older, I'm almost 50 years old, I have two reasons that wake me up in the morning. One, that God has a plan for my life. And number two, I have to pee. And so that just... Just becoming part of, of what goes on. But God, God is counting on us. You know, I think it's interesting, you know, to understand that God has a massive plan for thousands of years over the whole world to transform the world. And we're a part of this plan. You know, when you watch movies, you ever watch like the superhero movies? Have you ever noticed it's always the bad guys that have the master plan that are trying to take over the world? And that's not the way the Bible is. In the Bible, God has this huge plan and we're a part of it. And we can wake up in the morning knowing God is gonna do something amazing today and he wants me to be a part of it. And look, I'm not saying at the end of this message, you're gonna know what your part is. I think a lot of times we wake up knowing God's gonna use me today, but we're not really sure how. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of times we go to bed at night not sure exactly how God used me. It's not like at all he wraps it up in a tight bow at the end of the day. But I think it is so important, because here's the thing, I think that is what gives us strength for everything else. When we encounter something hard, sometimes life is hard, sometimes life is sad, sometimes life is devastating, but the way that we make it through that is we know God has a plan for my life. God has a purpose for my life. I can't see it. I don't know what it is, but I have faith in it. And so when we look at this story of Moses today, I hope that that is what you'll take from it. So look in Exodus chapter 3. And Exodus chapter 3 is the story of Moses when he kind of realizes this call. So as you're turning there and getting ready for that, let me give you a little background on how we got there. And so in in the book of Exodus, the, the Israelites are slaves in the nation of Egypt. And God has promised them that he will get them out of Egypt. And he chooses Moses to do that. So Moses' life starts out with a lot of promise. When he is born, Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, decides he's gonna kill all the male children two years and under, so that way they won't be able to rebel against him. He wants to take all the warriors out of that generation. And But God saves Moses, and not only saves Moses, he places Moses in Pharaoh's family. Pharaoh's daughter adopts Moses, not knowing that she is bringing into the palace the one that's going to overthrow the palace. And so Moses grows up with this, and then he learns, we don't know exactly when, but he learns who he is and what his life is about, 
And at some point, he goes about trying to make that the case. And one day he sees an Egyptian beating a slave, and so he kills that Egyptian. And then another day, he sees two slaves fighting, and he tries to make them get along. And in the middle of that, they rat him out to Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh knows what he did. So now Pharaoh's trying to kill Moses, so Moses has to escape, and he goes out in the desert. And now this life that started out with so much promise, in Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says that Moses is all alone on the backside of the desert. Have you ever felt like that? Man, like at some point your life, had, you had dreams, you had hopes, you had plans, maybe even accomplished those. But right now is just not, it's, it's not exactly where you want to be. You feel like you're on the backside of the desert. In fact, I think this. I think in Exodus chapter 3, we find Moses disappointed with himself, disappointed with others, and I believe disappointed with God. But this is why I love that story. God chooses someone who's disappointed and he gives them a destiny. And that's what we want to talk about today. So look in Exodus chapter 3, and we're just going to read through this and pick out a few things. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. That's how we know Moses was from the south. You know Jethro's southern. All right, that's, that's not a Yankee name. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Now let me stop here. When Moses is in the desert, he meets someone, he gets married, Jethro's his father-in-law. Here's what I love about just that short little phrase right there. Even with everything going on in his life, Moses found a way to be useful. Moses kept moving. It would have been so easy when you read chapter 3 to look at Moses and he's just complaining You know, I used to be here and I used to do all this and I was in the palace and I had all this kind of stuff going on. Moses didn't do that. Moses looked around and says, man, what what is it that needs to be done? And Jethro says, well, I need somebody to help take my sheep out and go find some grass. And Moses doesn't say, well, no, I can't do that. I used to be a prince. Well, no, I can't lead sheep. I was called to lead millions of people. Moses doesn't say anything. Moses says, sheep need to be taken out. I'm going to take the sheep out. And I love the fact that in the middle of his disappointment, Moses found a way to be useful. I think there's something said with just finding a way to be useful. I think in kind of this generation, if we're not careful, we have so many people that are trying to be special that they're not focusing on being useful. God wants people who are useful. Come on, you clap your hands for that. I think there's two mistakes we make when we're talking about God's will for our life. Because, you know, we start off talking about, you know, God's purpose and God's plan. I think there's two mistakes that sometimes can cause us to miss that. One is we make it about us. We try to be special. Lord, we're talking about God's plan for our life, but the emphasis emphasis is not on God's plan. It's on our life. God, how are you going to use me? How are you going to use all my unique talents and and skills? How is this going to be fulfilling to me? And and we're trying to be something special. We want to do something we have a heart for. And look, I think that is great. I think it is great to do things that that fulfill us. But sometimes we just got to do what needs to be done. I remember when I first came here to Healing Place Church, it was called Trinity Christian Center then. And man, I never even thought that I would be on staff or be a pastor or ever be preaching. I didn't even think that was even possible, hadn't even entered my mind. Uh, But one of the first people I met was Pastor Mike Heyman. And Mike Heyman was the youth pastor at the time. Now look, I didn't have a heart for teenagers. I still don't have a heart for teenagers. And I have two teenagers. That's why I pray for our youth pastor so much. 
All right. It wasn't like I felt like God had called me to reach the youth. But as I talked to Pastor Mike, he said, while I'm preaching, there's kids talking in the back and I need someone back there to tell them to shut up. I was like, I can do that. <laughs> I feel like that's what I was built for. I'm from Central. And so, um, and so man, that's what I, I did it because that's what needed to be done. And I think there's something about there are times in our life where we don't know what to do. And instead of waiting for it to be just revealed to us, if we'll just find what needs to be done and just focus on that and, and be useful. So I think that's, that's one of the things is we make it about us. The second thing is we make it too much of a mystery. We're looking for a sign. God, give me a sign for what you want to do. And instead of looking for a sign, we need to look for a need. I think that's what Moses did. Moses, instead of praying about a sign, he just looked around and says, well, you know what? I think those, think those sheep need to be taken out. Let me just go take those out. And one of my favorite stories, I think it's one of the most important chapters of the Bible, is in Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, it's the last thing Jesus said publicly in his ministry. And he kind of wraps it all up. So in Matthew 25, he's talking about two different groups of people. One group pleased God and the other group didn't please God. And here's what's so interesting. Go back and read all of Matthew 25. It's a really important chapter. But here's what I think is interesting about this specific story. Uh, it talks about the sheeps and the goats. And the sheeps, the sheeps is it sheep or sheeps? I'm from Central, but I'm a city boy, all right? So, so the sheep are the one who pleased God, and then the goats were the one who didn't. But as you read the story, they are almost exactly similar. They're, they are so close. So God looks at the, at the sheep, and he says, come into my rest. He says, because you saw me hungry, and you fed me. You saw me thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. You saw me naked, and you clothed me. And here's what I think is interesting. You know what they said? Lord, we didn't even know we saw you. Now, I would understand how the guys who missed it say, Lord, we didn't really even know what was going on. The people who did it right said, Lord, we didn't even know. Where were you? We didn't see you. He said, you saw someone who was hungry and you fed them, and that was me. And you saw someone who was thirsty and you gave them something to drink, and that was me. You saw someone who was naked and you gave them clothes, and that was me. Whatever you do to the least of these, you've done unto me. And so here's the thing. The people that please God aren't looking for a sign. They're looking for a need. And they meet the need. And in meeting the need that's right in front of their face, they end up realizing the purpose for which they were created. And on the other side, he goes to the goats are the ones who displease him. And he says, you saw someone hungry, you didn't feed them. You saw someone thirsty, you didn't do anything. You saw someone naked, you didn't do anything. And, and you left me abandoned. And they said this, it's almost exactly the same. Lord, we didn't know we saw you. When you saw them, you saw me. And so sometimes we're praying, Lord, give me a sign. You know, like he's going to put a big sign or it's going to be a dream or a vision. Don't look for a sign. Look for a need. Look for someone who's hungry and feed them. Look for someone who's thirsty and give them something to drink. Look for someone who's naked. Don't look for someone who's naked. That's probably, don't go away. So that's what church told you to do. All right. I think it's good to wait on God, all right? I'm not saying that we, it, it is good to wait on God, but sometimes I think God is waiting on us. And I love this about Moses. Moses didn't, even in his disappointment, he didn't stand still. He found something that needed to be done and he did it. So Moses found a way to be useful. Let, let's, uh, let's keep going. Verse one, it says, um, said he, he, he led them to the, his, the sheep of Jethro. He said he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, 
and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And I think this is one of the key phrases of the whole story. And Moses said, here I am. I think if we're going to live God's purpose for our life, that has to be our response to God. Lord, here I am. Moses made himself available to God. And I believe with no restrictions. Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do, Lord, I am here to do it. I know I had dreams of this and doing all this kind of stuff. And I know I used to live in the palace and I know I had plans to accomplish all these things. And if that's still what you have for me, God, that's fine. But Lord, if it's just these sheep, if it's just helping out Jethro, if it's just something else out here on the desert and nobody ever knows my name, Lord, here I am. You know what I think is interesting? Because here's what I think I would have done. If I'd have been taking those sheeps around, which tells you how good I'd have been at that job, all right? And so if I'm walking the sheep and I see that, and then God calls out to me, you know, Johnny, Johnny, I would have been like, God, I am so glad I have you. I don't know if you've noticed what's going on, all right? I used to be in the palace and I had all these plans and I tried to help them out like you told me to and then they didn't listen and now I'm out here and Jeth thank God for Jethro and he gave me a job and I appreciate that, but it's getting a little crowded living in his tent and he doesn't appreciate all my gifts and talents. I think it's so interesting that Moses doesn't talk to God about what's going on in his life. He wants to hear from God about God's plan for his life. And I think so many times, I know I do this, I am so concerned about God's response to me, I don't consider what my response to God should be. All right? I'm so concerned, Lord God, what is your response to my pain? Lord, what is your response to what they said about me? What is your response to how that meeting went south yesterday? What is your response to how my kids are acting? What is your response to my finances? All these kinds. Lord, what, my prayer life is consumed with, God, what is your response to what's going on in my life? And I feel like God's saying, if you would just be quiet for a moment, I can tell you how this fits into the whole plan. And I think what helped Moses out is he didn't tell God everything that was going on in his life. He immediately dropped all that and said, God, here I am. What is it that you want to do with my life? Lord, whatever it is that you want, that's what I want to do. So Moses made himself useful, and then Moses made himself completely available to God. Lord, I'm holding nothing back. So look at what goes on from there. Verse 5. Can't see. My eyes are getting old. All right. God says this. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I think that's an interesting phrase. Don't take off your sandals. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. I think we have to accept that where we are is holy ground. And, and, and sometimes that's hard to accept when where we are is not where we want to be. It's not where we'd hope to be. It's not where we'd plan to be. Maybe even it's not where we used to be. But here's one of the things that I've learned about life. God is not where I want to be. God is not where I used to be. 
God is only where I am. And if God is where I am, then there's only peace where I am. There's only joy where I am. There's only strength where I am. And there's only purpose where I am. Where I'm standing is holy ground. God didn't say, hey, the palace, that's holy ground. That's where I want you to end up. And that's where Moses went and did his most amazing stuff. He didn't say, man, one day, man, the Red Sea, you're going to, Moses, you're going to love this. You're going to be standing there, and that is going to be holy ground. That was holy ground when he got there, but right now he's standing on the backside of the desert with a bunch of sheep, and God says, where you are standing is holy ground. And I've got to accept, God, you're going to use me right where I am. You're going to use me in my home. You're going to use me in my job. You're going to use me in my activities with the friendships and the family and the opportunities that I have. God, this is where you're going to use me, so this is where I'm going to focus on. And I think it's important to understand, when the Bible says holy ground, we tend to think of the word holy as um, doing the right things. You know, we use that phrase, holier than thou. And the Bible does use it that way sometimes. But mostly in the Old Testament, the word holy means set apart for God's purpose. A lot of neutral things are called holy. If you read the, the holy, if you read the boring parts of the Old Testament, I know we're not supposed to say that, all right? But in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, where it's talking about all the plates and the tables and all that kind of stuff, and there'll be plates that are holy. There'll be tables that are holy. And what he says is, you don't use this plate to eat your lunch off of. That plate is for worshiping me. It is holy. The, uh, the Sabbath is a day that is holy. You don't use it for your own purposes. You use it for my purposes. So when God tells Moses, where you are standing is holy ground, he's saying where you are is set apart for my purpose. Our families are set apart for God's purpose. Our jobs, whether we like them or not, our friendships, our relationships, the things that we're involved in, they are set apart for God's purpose. And God is going to use us where we, God is going to use us where we are. And so one of the things I think is interesting is, you know, if, if Moses was standing here when God called him and he's walking this way and God was like, hold it, you're about to get on holy ground. So take your sandals off, take your shoes off. So the interesting thing is the sand here, this is holy ground, was the same as the sand here. Physically, there was no difference. You only knew it was different if you were listening to the voice of God and recognizing the activity of God. You see, sometimes in our life, it doesn't look like holy ground because our, but just looking at our circumstances, it doesn't look that way. What makes it holy ground is that God is at work where we are. And, and so we have to understand that and be a part of that. Um, if the ground is not, it's not that the ground is holy, but that God's purpose is being done there. He wants to use us there. Now, I'm going to throw something in here that may sound a little self-serving, but it's kind of guided my life, and so I think it's important. You know, we've talked about where we are, family and job and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you another place that you are. You're here. You're in Healing Place Church. Now, let me, let me say this, and I'm just saying this because you ever take a test like in school and you get to something and you're like, she didn't say that it was going to be on here. Have you ever done that? 
Now, if you're like me, it didn't make a difference if the teacher told you that or not. You, you know, I wasn't going to study it regardless, okay? And so my kids aren't here at that service. So at the 5 o'clock when the kids are here, I was a straight-A student, so don't tell them any different. All right, but so, I, you know, I, I, I believe it goes back to Matthew 25, that one day we'll be held accountable for where we were. And I, I believe this with all my heart. I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor or I'm on staff. Like I said, I never thought I'd be a pastor on staff. I never thought I'd be up here preaching and, and talking and all this kind of stuff. But I believe that God is doing something incredible right here at Healing Place Church. And we have opportunities to reach Africa, Europe, South America, Central America, inner city Baton Rouge, Livingston Parish, Ascension Parish, our neighborhoods. I'm going to be held accountable for those opportunities. And so I don't, I don't want to miss out on what God is doing right here. I want to get involved in what he's doing because I never know where it's going to lead to. And, and I've always felt that when I came to this church, I felt like there's something about this place. And look, there are great churches all over the world. There are great churches in this city. I'm not saying we are any better than anyone, any other church. You could say this anywhere else. But I want to say this. If you attend here and you're not involved with making an eternal impact on someone's life, it's just because you chose not to put it in your schedule. There are opportunities here everywhere. And look, they don't have to be big opportunities. Like I said, when, when I first came here, we were meeting at the front building, and I just felt like, man, God wants to use me, but nobody was asking me to stand up and preach right then. I didn't think I could preach. Some of you right now are like, you still can't preach. So I get all that. Like, I never saw any of this. I just knew God was doing something, and he was going to hold me accountable if I didn't get involved. And so I found out they needed an usher. I didn't know how to ush, but I know they needed one. And so I started getting involved in Usher. And now remember, I think the second thing I did is we were down front. I don't know if you believe this or not. There was a time where Healing Place Church had pews. Was anybody attending when Healing Place had pews? All right, raise your hand. All right, so there was a time when Healing Place had pews. Well, man, God was blessing. We were growing. And so the pews filled up and we started putting out chairs. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. We had every, aisle. you couldn't walk, like fire marshal, we just hoped he never showed up, all right? There was no aisles to walk on. There were people sitting on here. And finally, we had to sit people in the back foyer. And so if you sat in the back foyer, you couldn't see Pastor Dino. You could only hear him. And he felt sorry for those people. So we served them Coke and popcorn if you sat in the foyer. So guess who helped serve the Coke and popcorn? That's just, that's just what I did because, man, I saw that God was doing something and I got involved. And so, look, I want to encourage you. And I know, man, I got kids and ball games and school and, and all that kind of stuff. But, man, I want to encourage you. God's doing something amazing here. And I want to, man, be a part. God will use you where you are. This is holy ground. For some of you, that might mean get involved on a Sunday. For some of you, that might mean, you know, man, we got serve day coming up in two weeks. Where we, we have, you know, Baton Rouge is always talking about the schools, and we decide we want to meet the need of serving schools as much as we can. I know it's just one day. It makes an impact. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to set you up for something, all right? So I was kind of going low, all right, and then I'm coming in the high one. God has called us to reach more than just Highland Road. There will come a day. We've already done it in Livingston Parish. There will come a day we'll have a campus in Ascension Parish, all right? Now listen. Come on, clap your hands. Clap now. There are people in this service that God's not called you to go to China, but he's called you to go to Ascension Parish. 
All right? Now, here's the thing. I know you won't be able to bring your kids to the same place, and Pastor Mike won't be there physically, but you can make an eternal impact in someone's life by saying, I'm going to go volunteer at that campus. I don't know where we're going next. We want to go to the LSU area. We want to go other places. And, and you're going to have to make, there'll be people here you have to make a decision. We're not, we're going to disrupt our routine. We're going to do something we've never done before. But God is going to use me because I've got a purpose in my life. So that's the end of my commercial. All right, for right there. Clap your hands. I get commission on everyone that signs up for serve day. All right, so let's go to the next one. So he says, here I am. So then God says, then he said, talking about God, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Now, here's what's interesting to me. He doesn't say one thing about what's going on in Moses' life. He never mentions Moses' pain. Can you imagine meeting God and he doesn't even want to talk about you? All he talks about is other people. And here's why. Our purpose begins with someone else's pain. God is actually, this story is all about Moses and not about Moses at all. Our destiny is all about us, but it's also not about us at all. God is actually explaining Moses' future without mentioning Moses' name. All he talks about are the hurting people that he created Moses to reach. And our purpose is in someone else's pain. And if we're consumed with our own pain, we'll never find our purpose. At some point, we have to move. Look, I'm not saying it's easy, but sometimes we have to move past. In fact, I'll, I'll say this. I think sometimes the best way to move out of our pain is to get involved in someone else's pain, to begin to serve. You know, I thought about this as a formula. I'm not saying there's a formula for God's, for what God does in our life, but I think this is the way it goes. They suffer, we serve, and God saves. You read the Bible, that's all it is. Someone suffers, someone serves, God saves. My purpose is in the middle. Now I have to trust that when I'm suffering, someone else is gonna come serve me. God's, God is concerned about us. He will send someone to us when we need it, but we'll trust him with that. When someone else is suffering, if I will serve them, I'll find my purpose in that. That's where I find the reason to wake up in the morning. It's in someone else's pain. So look, now, now it gets real here. God starts talking about what he's going to do. He said, so I have come down. I love that phrase, come down. I, I know we talk about in the New Testament how God came down is Jesus, and that's very true. But the old and the new are not that much different. You know, God could have said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send this out. And I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. God says, no, I have come down. I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, uh, out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God always brings us out of something and into something. 
So that's what he's called us to do for others, and that's what he's called us to do. Sometimes we come out of something, and then we get stuck there. God wants to bring us out of something, but then he wants to bring us into something. I heard one guy say it this way. I thought it was brilliant. He said, every Christian ought to be able to tell two stories, what God has saved me from and what God has saved me for. And until we know what God has saved us for, we don't, come on, you can clap your hands for that. Gives me a chance to take your wrinkle water. Until we know what God has saved us for, we're never experiencing all of God in our life. So he says, I've come to bring them out of the land of of Egypt and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And, And look, so now in my mind, I see God saying this, and I feel like God's getting a little louder. God's getting excited. And then Moses is getting excited because he's mad at Egypt too, and he can't wait to see what God is going to do in Egypt. And so he says, and so now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, and here it comes, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. And it's at that moment, I think Moses went, who are you talking to? The sheep? God, we tried that. Lord, why do you think I got here? I tried that. Look, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Guess who's trying to kill him? Pharaoh. All right? This is, how would you like that? The first time he talks about Moses, he says, remember that guy tried to kill you? I need you to go back there. All right? Not concerned about anything else going on in your life. All right. So where am I at? And so he says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Look what Mo, But Moses said to God, who am I? It is, Moses only said two things in this. Here I am. Who am I? This is what I love about this story and what I love. The Bible is so honest. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll think the people that God used never have a doubt. They always believe God's going to work it out. They never have any struggles. What we don't understand is the people that God uses, they go back and forth between here I am, who am I? Here I am. Some days I'm here I am. Some days I'm who am I? Look what he says. Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God says, I will be with you. Here's what I think is interesting. God could have done it on his own, but God always chooses someone to express himself through, through the whole Bible. And he even does that now. God could just snap his fingers and whatever he wants to happen, make it happen. For some reason, he chooses not to do this. He chooses to repeat, just like this story, to come to us and say, I've heard the cry of fill in the blank, the poor, the lost, the hurting. I've heard the cry of your family. I've heard the cry of your friends. I've heard the cry of the people that you work with and I've come down to help them. So now go, I am sending you. I don't know why he chooses us to do it. And the people he chooses to send you to, I couldn't reach. And the people he chooses to send me to, you couldn't reach. There are people that are waiting for you to say, here I am. And here's what he's saying. He says, go, I will be with you. God's not looking for heroes. He's looking for vehicles. He's saying, look, I've got all the power I just need someone that has me inside of them to bring the me that's inside of them to the person that is hurting. 
I, I, just, I just need a vehicle. And I think a great illustration of this is in Matthew 21. Go, go read this later too. In Matthew 21, it's Palm Sunday where Jesus rides in to Jerusalem and for the first time really publicly like a huge announcement. I mean, he said it here and there, but for the first time tells the whole world, I'm the Messiah, I'm the son of God. And when he decides to do this, he tells the disciples, I need you to go find a donkey. So here's the thing. God's not looking for stallions. He's looking for donkeys. All right. He's looking for, you clap your hands. He's looking for someone that is just so glad to be chosen and so humbled to, to be wanted that they don't care if anybody's looking at them. They just want everyone to look at Jesus. Now, can I tell you this? That's good news for donkeys like me. If I wasn't doing this, I don't even know what else I would do. I was a football coach before this, and I wasn't a real good one, just to be quite honest. All right? So I'm glad God chose me to this. So it's good news for donkeys, but here's the thing, and I want you to catch this. I don't want to gloss over this. That's bad news for stallions. And can I tell you this? We got some stallions in this room. And I don't mean that as like it's a bad thing to be a stallion. All right? Look, you be as successful as you possibly can. You accomplish everything you can accomplish. Whatever you put your hand to, you be the best at it. I think Christians ought to be the best people, not just the best attitude in their workplace, the most skilled in their workplace. So I'm not saying, you know, just kind of tone it down. I'm not saying that at all. There is a lot of really aggressive, assertive people in the Bible, all right? So Moses was one of them. So I'm not saying that, but here's the thing. When we're a stallion, we learn to rely on ourselves. We learn to think it's about us. When the truth is God's purpose in our life, nobody has the ability to accomplish it. And so some people naturally feel like donkeys and sometimes it's a, the hard part for donkeys, let me put it this way, because I think there's, I'm not gonna say there's donkeys here too. There's one on stage, all right? So we'll just leave it at that, all right? The hard part for donkeys, I'm gonna say this, please don't get offended. If you do, come talk to me afterwards. There are people here that you feel like a donkey. And here's the hard part for donkeys. Nobody's ever wanted them before. Why would God choose me? And so donkeys don't experience God's plan for their life because they can't imagine that God has a plan for their life because nobody's ever had a plan for their life. Does that make sense? And that's not true. Man, God, if you feel that this morning, God's got a plan for your life. Stallions or those who feel like stallions, they can miss God's purpose because they're not looking for God's purpose. I've got my own purpose. Have you not seen my resume? Have you not seen what I'm accomplishing? Okay, God, you want to use me? Good choice, God, because I can pull it off. I know it sounds, but there are, and I'm not saying, I got to be careful here because I'm not saying that, I'm not saying you're sinful if you're that. I'm just saying every stage of life has its own struggle. And often you notice if we're not careful as Christians, we can always be talking down to the hurting. God came for the successful as much as the hurting. God wants to use the successful as much as the hurting, but they both need to understand it's all about God. And I, I gotta be honest, some days I feel like a stallion, some days I feel like a donkey, all right? 
But either way, I want to wake up in the morning knowing God's got a plan for my life. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.